0: he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route.
1: Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the meditations of our hearts and minds be ever acceptable in your sight, O Lord our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I'm not going to ask you what your new year's resolutions are, Um, needless to say mine were all broken within about 20 minutes of the start of the new year, Um, there was that little bit of Toblerone that that still was feeling neglected and abandoned and it would have been morally wrong of me not to have um, helped it out uh, in some way shape or form. I don't know about you, but uh, the past few days on the television, I've, I've felt bombarded with all of the adverts and everything for how to make yourself a new, better person in some way, shape, or form. That this could be the year where you turn everything round and you lose 15 stone, um, you give up on the cigarettes, you're going to cut down on the alcohol, of course, this year. Um, Detox, why not? It's January after all, what more fun could you possibly have? Why not become a vegan for the first time this year? Or maybe it's because of the fact you'd just like to have a bit of fun that you won't become a vegan this year. Um, We can spend so much time worrying about, could I be a bit better? Am I somehow not quite what I should be? Do I need to amend my ways in some way, shape or form? I'm not really good enough, am I? What on earth could God want with somebody like me, somebody so filled with after eights and Ferrero Roche that there's no room for anything else whatsoever? And then we can factor in the, the issue of our families. And we've had to endure them for the past couple of weeks and they can make us realize that things aren't really that ideal either. They're not as we'd like them to be. It's not quite like the adverts where you see that happy, shiny family where everyone's well behaved and gets on. And then we realize that actually it's more like World War III in our households most of the time. Or we can have it whereby we realise that we're just so filled with concerns and worries. We're worried about our health. We're actually feeling a bit lonely and a bit isolated. Maybe we are worried about our loved ones and what they're going through, the problems that they're experiencing. So this is the time of year where we can just be so full of doubt and and confusion and worry and angst and I haven't even started on the politics yet. Goodness knows what on earth is happening to our country um, but it's not looking great and let's be honest not exactly the most stable person in the world has his finger on the nuclear button at this precise moment in the White House and that could well be a source of worry for us all Middle Eastern war just around the corner, what greater joy could there possibly be for us all? The rising levels of fear and hatred across Europe, seemingly unabated. Nobody seems capable of stopping it. There is so much for us to worry about if we really want to. And I'd love to be able to assure you in the way that Boris Johnson has apparently that this is going to be the most marvellous decade in the history of our country. I'd love to be able to assure you in the way that the advertisers and the marketing people do that actually everything is going to be perfect and rosy and wonderful but I can't promise that for us. And in the middle of this potential for self-doubt and worry and angst and so on we then have the covenant service and it almost seems the wrong time but maybe actually this is the right time for us to to call a halt to everything john wesley when he came up with the idea of the covenant service it was there to be a, a, an intentional break for us to to take that that pull, to press that pause button to think about where we're at so often those voices of self-doubt and worry, they can almost paralyze us. You're never going to be good enough. You need to be that little bit better. If only you were a bit more like such and such a person, then God could use you. But the idea of the covenant service is that that's not the issue. The issue is that God can use us, even us, with our fears and our worries and our concerns that God desperately wants us and wants to use us flawed and broken though we might feel that siren voice telling us that we need to be better that we aren't good enough is not the voice of God but rather is the voice of our own weaknesses and maybe our own cowardice as well. Years back there was the um, standard question that the minister would ask you when he went round to do his pastoral visits and it was always the question that struck fear into everyone's uh, heart and soul and it was this, how are things between you and God at this time? I'm going to ask that question of you. You don't have to answer, all right? But how are things between you and God at the moment? Um, We can do the relate counseling approach to it all a bit later. Often, we forget that God is desperately in love with us. We focus too much on the God of wrath and the God of fear, and we forget that God loves us completely and totally, and that that love never, ever is going to fail. And in the covenant, what we're actually looking at is, is not so much the marriage itself, not the, not the wedding vows, but maybe, if you like, the renewal of the wedding vows. Try and remember back to what it felt like when you first encountered faith and, and started wrestling with that relationship with God in the same way maybe think back to when you first fell in love and how ideal and marvelous it was and how that person was the apple of your eye and never ever did anything wrong and then you had to live with them and then you realized the truth instead try and think back to that start of that relationship that you had with God And the commitments and the promises that you made, God has been constant. God's love has never, ever failed. God is there. And as part of a covenant, often we we think a covenant is just a a one-way process, but the covenant is actually a two-way process. We are making commitments today, but so too is God. God's saying, I'm going to stick with you and I'm going to be with you through thick and thin over the course of the coming year. The covenant is the means of grace by which we accept the relationship that we have with God. And then it's that grace that sustains and keeps us in that relationship. It's not the getting into the relationship with God, but rather the staying in it. God offers to us commandments. There aren't that many. And those commandments, specifically that Jesus tells us about, are commandments to love, to love God, to love your neighbour as yourself. And I think that they are commandments because of the fact that it's recognised that it's difficult, that life will throw its curveballs at us, that there are going to be times where our faith is sorely tested that it is at times difficult for us when we're confronted by the horrors of the world and and the awfulness and so on, that at times it is easy to turn around and say, God, what on earth do you think you were playing at? But the commands to love because of the fact that actually it is tough and occasionally we do need to be reminded of our obligations. But we are called to that loving relationship with God. So when Wesley writes the covenant service, it's there as this pause button. It's there as this chance for us to regather our thoughts, to think again about our faith, to take that stock take of our lives, to think about those things that we are not happy about, and to think, well, what am I going to do about that? The painful relationship, the concerns we have about church or our work life, our aches and pains, as well as our potential, our gifts and our talents, all of them go into the melting pot at this precise moment. How can we offer everything that we are back to the God whose love for us is unconditional? Where we need to improve God, give us the strength to do so. Where we need to rely on you more, give us the courage to do so. Where we need to use our gifts and our talents better, give us the wisdom to do so. At Epiphany, we reflect upon the wise men. And for me, I've often thought that they're not exactly the sharpest tools in the box, are they, the wise men, if we really think about it. There they are, rubbish choice of presence. And they decide to start following a star, which is never the best method. Um, preferably use sat-nav, and if not a map, if, if all else fails, might be a bit more appropriate. But it's the complete and total political naivety of them that they end up going around trying to help and serve Jesus, but actually they end up giving him away to Herod and nearly costing Jesus his life from the outset. So much for being wise men, their naivety very nearly damages and destroys everything. So for us, the gifts that we might have to offer are we wise in the way that we are prepared to offer them if i were a wise man i would do my part yet what i have i give him i give my heart irrespective of the cost whatever the cost might be let us offer everything we possibly are to god but let us also make sure that we are not naive in the way that we approach things that we are committed thoroughly and intentionally to offering to God everything that we are, everything that we do, everything we say and think. I'd love to be able to turn to each of you and say that this coming year is going to be brilliant and marvellous and everything's going to work out perfectly. But you and I both know that I can't say that. For some of us, this year will be tough. Some of us will be tested in ways that we can never possibly imagine. But the one thing I can say is that God is going to walk every single step of the way with us. That we are not going to be abandoned. That God will be there walking alongside us, whatever the challenges are that are going to face us. This is a covenant we are entering in. This is not a one-way relationship. It is not us demanding things of God. It is God and us walking together. God's grace will be walking with us. God will not abandon us, whatever life may throw at us. Years back, um, when I felt the call to ministry, um, I was on Holy Island, it was a, a meth sock retreat and the uh, Methodist chaplain laid down a challenge uh, to the meth sock. We were an odd bunch of spotty students, some were hoping to be social workers, some wanted to be teachers. Some of us, those of us who were doing theology didn't know what we were going to be employable in. Um, And basically we gathered together on Holy Island and he laid down a challenge for us. He said, this country has spent a lot of money on your education. He said, you've all got gifts and talents, you are all young, you have a life ahead of you. What are you going to do with your education, with the gifts, with the talents, with the skills you have? He said, because the one thing you don't want is at the end of your life to look back and think, I haven't truly lived. You, as people who are Christians, this was part of the change, you are to try and make the world a better place. So he then sent us off for three hours to think what was God calling us to? What was to be our purpose? I'd like to offer a similar challenge to each of you now. Those of you who think you might be towards the end of your life and so on, God's still got a purpose for you. What are you going to do with all that God has given to you? How are you going to be able to look in the mirror and say, yes, I have done good. I have helped to make the world a better place. I have served my Lord and Master faithfully and honourably. God is working his purpose out and he's using each of us for that very task. But he's not abandoning us. God will be walking with us through this coming year. The times might be bleak. We might not have many days left. Our time on this earth might be short. But what is it that God has called you to What is God calling you to now? And whatever it is that's getting in the way of you responding to that fully, deal with that over this coming year. God is calling each of us. So, what is that cause of injustice that you particularly are concerned about? Well, what are you going to do about it this coming year? God is calling us into a covenant relationship. God will be there, his grace will be there with us. So let us free ourselves to be obedient to his call. Tonight, as a community, we will be gathering here to share with Ben and to thank God for for Ben and for his willingness to respond to God's call. What is God calling you to? It might be to local preaching. It might be to being a steward here in the church. It might be to being involved in in a a charity project or being a school governor or something else. It might just be that God's calling you to look at those things that are concerning you, those, those parts of your family life that are a concern, and to address those this coming year. What is God calling you to? We enter into the covenant because we are fully into a relationship with God, a God whose love for us is unconditional and never fails. So let us therefore have that as our bedrock for this coming year, the knowledge and security of God's love so that we may now be free to live out God's purpose here and throughout the world. Amen.